Welcome to the World of Women Create podcast series, where we bring you the magical and innovative worlds of artisans and makers from the pages of our magazines, where women create and what women create, along with special guests who are entrepreneurs and experts in their fields. We love to share great conversation with extraordinary women, women you may be very familiar with and others you may not know. My name is Jennifer Blott, and I am the Editor-in-Chief of Women Create. It is my pleasure to welcome you, our listeners, and all of our guests as we explore the ups and downs, challenges and triumphs, exhilaration and immense joy of living a creative life. A creative life is a life that's rarely stagnant and always leading us down surprising paths. Thank you for being part of our creative world, the world of Women Create. Welcome. We're here today with lifelong creative Kaylin Melman of Kaylin's Place. Kaylin was featured in our spring issue of Where Women Create. We are thrilled to be with her today. Welcome, Kaylin. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Ah, so I'm going to tell our audience a little bit more about you and then we'll get right into questions. Okay. All right. So a lifelong creative, Kaylin Melman can be found in Phoenix, Arizona, working as an artist and full-time interior designer and taco slinger at her family's local restaurant, The Beach House. Kaylin's scope of creative work includes providing custom pieces of whimsical artwork that were sold in boutiques and directly to clients throughout the Valley, teaching children's art classes and inspiring workshops for many years and designing interiors for both residential and commercial spaces. Currently, her primary focus is as a creative and female entrepreneur in the interior design world, but there's always room for a new future creative career. And that is what we wanna talk about today. Kaylin has successfully transformed herself and reinvented her talents of creativity into ongoing professional work as an artist, a teacher, leader, manager, mentor, interior designer, collaborator, and TV personality. That's a lot. And so (laughs) my first question for you, Kaylin, is how has your artistic journey changed and morphed over the years? Well, you know, I look back, I've spent a lot of time looking back at how to answer that question. And my life started artistically and creatively. And I was always had my hands in the arts. And then as I, you know, was in school and in college, I, I was always taking art classes and recreating things as much as I could. And when I was getting my degree, I decided to be a teacher, an elementary school teacher. I got my master's in elementary school education, yet I was still always like on the side, you know, mosaicing or sewing or doing all these different things. And then interestingly enough, while I was a teacher, I don't know, you probably heard about those painted like painting pottery classes like all the pottery studios that were that came out there for me like that was one of the things that actually launched me into going back and thinking okay so I can I can be a teacher but like I can go and I can paint pottery and I started taking ceramics classes and I started you know while I was like focusing on being a teacher I was also trying to widen my scope outside of that and staying creative. So I did that. And then, you know, I uh, eventually I, in my article, I mentioned that from teaching, I became a single mom and that's kind of jumping forward pretty quickly. And from becoming a single mom, I was like all along 
had my hands in art and um, I started creating things that my friends um, wanted to buy. And then I just started growing it from there. And, and that's kind of the jumping off point for all the things I then started doing over the last 25 years. So, you know, there's, there's a word you mentioned repeatedly <laughs> in your story. And I mean, I, I think about it and it's the word pivot. You seem to yes. have been able to sense. You also mentioned if you put out your desires to the universe, it comes to you. And so this ability to pivot, I'm just curious, like, are you able to sense when, you know, now's the time I need to take a different path or how are you able to embrace the timing that presents itself to you? You know, that's, that's such a good question. And it, it's very situational. For example, when I was selling children's artwork um, and one, you know, and one person would say, oh, I want to buy that. And then you grow that and you're like, oh, I could actually really turn this into a little side gig. And then as I'm turning it into a side gig, somebody says, hey, you know, could you paint the walls in my daughter's nursery? Sure. I could do that too. You know, so then I add that to the scope of work I'm doing. And then along the way, people would say, well, can you paint a toy box? Can you paint this piece of furniture? From the point where I started, which was so small and, you know, painting little name plaques or little canvases for children's rooms and customizing those. And then going from that to doing the, the murals and then to furniture, then to, and it just kept going. And I kept saying to myself, I've always said to myself, this is, which is like, just don't say no. If you can do it, if you think you can do it, then try. And if for some reason that doesn't work out, then that's okay. But at least you didn't turn it away. So it's, it's like kind of seeing these little opportunities and going, oh, okay. So can I do that? Sure. Paint an entire nursery, even though all I've been doing is focusing on this. Yes, absolutely. And then it just kind of went from there. And then boutiques would say, hey, I saw your artwork at a friend's house and I have a friend who owns a boutique. Do you want to reach out to her and maybe see if they want to carry your artwork? And before you knew it, I had eight boutiques in town carrying my work. You know, you kind of go, all right, this is just kind of listening to the signs and letting it, you know, transform as it should. Well, it sounds like you are, you're definitely open-minded and you're a natural entrepreneur. You're, you're, yeah. In my opinion, the entrepreneurs I've seen that have really thrived are the ones who don't say no very often. And they have that yeah. constant stream of ideas and willingness to try. Absolutely. So a lot of times it's just really about the opportunities that come my way and and kind of seeing what what I can do with that. So, for example, when I was going through my divorce and I had, you know, I had a lot of artwork in different boutiques around the valley and I needed to bring in another financial source, right? So one of the boutiques was looking for an interior designer that sold my artwork. And, I, and someone said, Kayla, you could do that. I mean, you, you have a design sense. And I'm thinking, well, I wasn't formally trained as being an interior designer, but I do have a, I, I mean, I, I could see this happening. So I applied for the job. I got the job. And from that point on, and this is like around, I don't know, 2007, 2008, I was then learning how to become an interior designer 
under kind of a safety net of working at a boutique and then meeting all these people and it just kept growing. And so I kind of found a new joy in interior design along with doing artwork. So I was still doing both, but it was just kind of, it was kind of stretching my mind and being able to apply it in certain ways differently, being creative that is. Okay, so if you weren't formally trained, how did you teach yourself design? How did you pick up on the things you had questions about? You know, I think it's just like, okay, I'm a big advocate for like self-education, right? And every situation in design was, it's the beauty of design is that it's all different. So it's all like, you know, one client has one aspect of design and the things you want to do, and then you meet another one. If you can't answer the question, if you can't find it, research, ask questions, talk to your colleagues, you know, don't, I I think there's a big thing in like saying, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. And figuring it out is just, it's kind of the fun part at times, right? Of of like self-growth. And so as an interior designer, how do you address clients differing home aesthetics and styles and the demands they have? It's, that's part of the, that's one of the parts I love the most about design is that everybody's home is so different. So every client I work with um, offers new insight to what I do as, you know, in my career. And I, the way I approach it is, you know, walking into a person's house, I have no prejudgment of what this is going to look like, what I'm going to do. I just go in and I, you know, I think a big thing is having respect for someone's design, respect for the aesthetic of the home, the way they live. And I, and I try to step back and take all that in first and then creatively say, all right, what do you have in this home that is, that you love? And then I kind of go from there getting their feedback, telling me what means the most to them. And then, and then from there, I create my direction of how I'm going to treat that project. And do they usually come to you to do a full redesign of the whole house or is it a specific room, a children's room? Yeah, you know, for a long time, it was specifically children's spaces. And that was a real good, safe place for me to start. And then I started thinking, okay, I can grow this. I can do more. And so, yeah, I mean, right now, and again, going back to saying no, right? Um, I, I have been doing this for a long time and I'm still taking the projects that offer like a wide scope of opportunities, that being somebody's living room or that being an entire home's renovation or right now I'm working with one of my best friends on her quilting studio at her home. And we're working together to make it more fun for her. So like, it doesn't matter really. I, I kind of like all of it. <laughs> well, you know, the thing I loved about your story is you had a list of your favorite local places, um, retail and vintage places and design shops, things that, where you like to buy. And I love that. I can imagine you being a real resource for people because you have so many places on your list. Yeah, you know, I take that very seriously, to be honest with you, as far as, you know, being a local support 
and finding the places that where I can work with and they work with me and they're unique or they're female owned or they're family owned or they've been in the valley for a long time and not everybody knows about them. So I kind of feel like um, not a risk, not like it's my responsibility, but I feel like I just want to help them too. Like I've been so supported over the years. I want to give it back. That's wonderful. And so speaking of local businesses, I know you run with your husband, a taco shop. And you say in your story, you had days when you were, you know, you were doing classes in the morning and then you're running, helping for the lunch hour. And how, how are you still juggling all those things? Um, not quite as much as I was in the past. So when we bought the restaurant, I was just jumping into my own interior design business. So I decided I had worked at the boutique long enough that I could trust what I'd grown, how I'd grown, what I, you know, resources I had. So I decided to go out on my own. And then my husband decides to buy a restaurant or we decided to buy a restaurant. And then I'm still teaching art classes in my art studio. And um, so I was juggling a lot of balls pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, it kind of allowed me to hone in on, all right, Kaylin, you know, you love all these things. And that was really hard because I loved them all. Um, But I really had to make some hard decisions on where I could be better served for myself personally with my family, creatively, everything. But yeah, I mean, I'm still down at the restaurant slinging tacos with my husband, usually later in the week when it's our busiest days. And it's grown a lot over the last nine years. Congratulations. Uh, Running a restaurant is not an easy thing. I know that. No, it's really not. If you're ever in Phoenix, you'll need to come stop by. Yes. yes. (laughs) I'm from the Bay Area and I miss good Mexican food. I am on the East coast now. And, um, it's not the same. So yes. So yeah, for a long time, juggled a lot of balls in the air, but again, it's kind of like, um, I look at it and I like it. I like it all. It's just hard because you have to have some life balance and it's really learning how to create that. And I think we all to some degree kind of have to focus on those kinds of things, you know, in our worlds. There aren't enough hours in the day. It sounds like you could fill a 48 hour day just as easily as a 24 hour day. You know? <laughs> yeah. My mom always says, I do not know how you do it, but we do. <laughs> so speaking of the, the taco shop, I do have a question for you. Um, and I'm hoping you can articulate it because it really was interesting. In your story, you talk about sort of looking for a sign, um, you had all these things going on and you started finding pennies everywhere, mm-hmm. beginning with the restaurant, I believe. Can you, can you tell me that story? Yeah. You know, we, we were, I mean, I was, like I said, um, you know, doing design in the morning, going to the restaurant for lunch. And then from there going to teach art classes and times finishing the day, you know, doing more design and it was really, it was a lot. And we bought a restaurant that had been um, let go. Like the owners just had, you know, decided we're, we're out, not only were we working, but we were like recreating ourselves too and doing so much to try and get back an audience of customers. And it was, it was, it was a lot. 
And I, I like to, I try always to put a positive spin on things, right? And, but at, at this point in our lives, it was hard. I mean, John and I were raising four kids. And at this point, we weren't even married. We were dating, we were together and yeah. we were engaged. And um, so here we have four kids and we're doing all these things. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how this is going to have like work. And I'd go to, I'd go to the restaurant and also, you know, our staffing was low. I mean, it was small, you know, we had a little tiny staff. And so I had to be there at that point. And um, just, I, I was, we were struggling and um, I'd be outside and I would be cleaning the tables or sweeping or whatever. And there'd be pennies everywhere. Like, like I'd find, I'd be out there and I'd find like maybe three pennies and I'd be like, and I had always had this thing about pennies thinking it's good luck, right? Mm -hmm. It's the thing, right? Or it's something, it's just something. So I'd pick them up, put it in a pocket. And then the next day I'd be down there and I'd be somewhere else and there'd be another penny or two. And I'd put that in my pocket. And I started doing this day after day after day. And I would find pennies almost every day. I don't, I can't explain it. And I kept saving them and I started putting them in this little vintage dish and they started growing. And all of a sudden, as I'm seeing these pennies fill this dish, I was like, this is incredible and we're going to be okay. Like, I don't know how it was. I can't explain it. Still to this day, I still find pennies occasionally and I still keep the jar and I keep it on the vanity in my bathroom. So one of my biggest things that I say to anybody who's struggling, and it doesn't matter what it's with work, it's with family, it's divorce, it's this or that. It's like, just keep, keep your mind open to any signs that are coming your way. And I felt like that was a direct sign to me, like believe in yourselves. Wow. I love it. And so you've continued to add to that dish. Oh. It's, it's a, it's a darling little teal, beautiful flower vintage dish. Of course it has to be in a vintage dish because yeah. I love vintage dishes <laughs> or anything. So, do vintage. I. <laughs> yeah. so it's substantial. So tell me about your own painting. How do you make time for your painting, your personal art? Um, well, recently I decided, um, I work with this, a few gals in this little spiritual group. It's lovely. And we meet and we always talk about like ways we want to honor ourselves. And so in the last six months, um, specifically, um, I decided, okay, so to get back to where I want to be like artistically, first of all, I have to let go of any expectations of myself and be, when am I going to do this? And so I decided, I call it my Sunday studio or my studio Sundays. And so Sundays are really a day. I know the restaurant's closed. This could be kind of like my spiritual outlet. So a lot, as many Sundays as I can, I come out to my studio and um, typically I like to paint on canvases with acrylics. I've been finding branches on my walks in my neighborhood in the desert. And so I collect those and I've been kind of incorporating those into my work. Um, but yeah, I just, I think as you get busier and you know, you're in your professions and you got to step back and say, all right, how am I going to carve out time 
And where is that time coming from? And then try as hard to stick to it as possible. At least that's what I'm trying to do. And so I've seen photos of your studio and your story, but for the people listening who can't visualize it, will you describe your studio? So I like to describe my studio. Well, I start, I like to start my workspaces with white, like a canvas. And then it kind of has morphed over the years. So the white allows me to add in things that, um, you know, are meaningful. And, uh, you know, my studio has a lot of my artwork hanging on the walls and it has vintage pieces that hold paintbrushes. And I try to be creative in what I, you know, where I put things. So I've got a lot of, you know, dishes with like hot glue gun sticks or paper clips or things like that. And um, I also like to, you know, hold on to memorabilia too. So like my grandma's sitting here, picture my grandma's sitting here with me. And so I, it's very personal, but it's very colorful and it's very layered with a lot of different things that I find when I come in here kind of rejuvenate me artistically, not only as an artist, but also as a designer. So like one wall has, you know, a collection of my artwork. And then I have another wall that has layers of pieces of wallpaper and, um, you know, paint, like paint chips and things I've printed as inspiration for both painting and design. And so I come in here and I'm like, ah, oh, it's just, you know, my space. Now, your studio is separate from the house, correct? It's in the backyard, uh -huh. a separate building? Yeah. Right? It is. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So before the pandemic, it was my, my Kaylin's place was my carport and it was in the front side of my house. And that is where, um, and that was wonderful too. And I loved it as well. And that's where I started. Um, I enclosed the carport and I started doing my artwork there. And that's when I was selling a lot of artwork to the boutiques. And then I started incorporating children's art classes. And then I started doing events and things like that. And so um, I, we, we needed more space in our house. So when the pandemic hit, <laughs> coincidentally, we were going into this huge project of that. So we ended up um, staying the course. We were able to do what we did. And we built this building in the back of the, in, of, of our house and um, it's a standalone studio and it's really cool. And do I'm you very, have, is it big enough for parties and events or is it just you your know, space? This right now, right now. So I say right now because I just don't, you know, I'm always open for um, opportunities or maybe, you know, potential things down the road. Right now it is my creative space. It's where I do all of my design. If I have meetings with, with certain kinds of people who want to see my space or um, clients or things like that. Uh, so no, I'm not teaching out of it currently. But. But there's always a dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> the ellipsis. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to, I want to focus on Kaylin's place. Tell me what is Kaylin's place? It, because it sounds like Kaylin's place has changed over the years. You know, over the years, I've thought about my brand, right? What is Kaylin's place? And then, you know, I've, I've always thought, okay, what exactly does that mean? And I've reconsidered other names like Kaylin's studio or, um, you know, Kaylin's designs or whatever. And, but Kaylin's place is always stuck because 
I feel like it's this lovely umbrella that can take just about anything under it. So it could be design, it could be artwork, it could be children's classes, it could be events, it could be a lot of different things. And I don't necessarily have to change it because it's my place and what my place is can change as needed. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And once I finally, like I've had Kaylin's place for a long time and I always thought, okay, do I need to be does it need to be more mature? Does it need to have this? Does it need, should it say this or should it say that? And finally, when I was like, no, you know, I really love it because it's what I am as an entrepreneur. It kind of defines just about anything I do. Okay. So you do so many things. Here's my question. If I were to meet you at a party for the first time and ask you, oh, so what do you do? How would you answer that? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> right now I would tell you I'm an interior designer. Um, but I do, I do art, you know, I'm also an artist. Um, and that, you know, my husband and I also own a taco, a local taco shop. And typically people go, seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yep, seriously. But that's how, that's how I, I mean, I introduce myself primarily as an interior designer at this point but I never like to leave out the artistic piece too I mean I, I want people to know I'm an artist even though at this point that that part of it is just really a personal thing as opposed to like being out there in the community like selling my artwork I also think it lends itself um, nicely to someone going oh she's a designer and an artist so if she'll bring a different aspect to what she does for our house by way of that. But like, there's a lot of designers that come in and they'll say, you know, we got to start over and, and you know, none of this is going to work. And, and my intuition always, and my insight is, okay, creatively, how can we do this? And, and also bring in what you have, honor what you have, respect what you have and, and keep it fun, you know, and you, do you do lots of before and after photos? I do. I have been, yes, I have been more doing mm -hmm. more before and after photos because I find when I, people love to see that. I mean, you know, it's kind of a magical transformation of what you, what you see and then what it becomes. And it gives people the visual of what I was able to do with these spaces, you know, for reference. And it's, it, you know, it's transformational. And do you stay pretty much in the Phoenix area for your work or do you ever go beyond? Um, you know what? I have gone beyond. Uh, I, I'm working on a commercial project actually in California in the, in the Redwood City area um, with, a, with a friend who lives here and who kind of has been doing work over there. But I have done long distance design in New York, um, in the Midwest. I help people a lot because that's where I'm from. So, you know, I do what I can to help people there like long distance it's fun it's also great seeing the the different architecture in different parts of the country I know I mean for me coming from the midwest there's a whole different design aesthetic than there is here so you have people in those areas that live in older homes that love like more vintage antique style wallpaper textiles are more colorful or layered and you don't you don't see that quite as much here I'm seeing it more 
but back home you can you can kind of do a little more with making old new again. Where do you go for inspiration? Where do you go to sort of feed your soul when you're you're seeking creativity and inspiration and you're you're in need of ideas? So um well one of I mean for me I walk a lot in the desert and I feel like the colors of the desert, the textures of the desert, a lot of people are surprised when they come here by what, you know, what is around us because they think of the desert as being like dirt, not, you know, cacti, but like nothing, but there's so much out there. So right now the desert is blooming with bright yellows and hot pink flowers. And so for me, um, a lot of my, you know, some of my inspiration, I should say, comes from just walking daily and going, I love the shape of that flower. I love the shade of that, you know, that cactus or whatever. So that's one thing that I definitely find inspiration by. Um, walking into a good vintage store. I mean, some of my favorite vintage stores just kind of rejuvenate me, help me get ideas for new things um, and how to do things differently. Like, for example, I was just actually in Omaha, Nebraska, visiting my family, my mom and my sisters, and my sisters and I went out vintage shopping and we found this fabulous floral, brightly floral printed dress. And for me, I was like, okay, um, I love this dress. It reminds me of my mom when I was little. Am I going to try and recreate it into something I can wear or can I transform it onto a canvas? So like those kinds of things, you know, take the pieces of this fabric and, and incorporate it into some artwork. So vintage shopping for sure is one of them. And it gets me like my creative juices flowing, if you will. There's another place here in town called the Solari Studio. And it is incredible. So you walk in and they make um, bells and chimes and it's an iconic place here in the desert. And most people will recognize these bells and they make them with different materials and it's all made out of clay. So Paolo Soleri was this amazing visionary who wanted to try and figure out in the six, 50s and 60s how to do like self-contained communal living. And so it's just this building that you go into and you kind of go, who thought this up? I mean, it's just so cool. So that's another one. Well, inspect a vintage for a second. Do you collect anything? That's such a good question. So uh, yes, I do. I collect like vintage ice buckets and urns and trophy like trophy things that I can put plant I love plants so rather than buying like a normal flower pot I like to turn those into flower pots I also like to use those for my paint brushes and um, paints or whatever so I do collect those um, vintage jewelry is a big one and I used to actually collect it and then sell it. So I also, <laughs> okay, we have to talk cause that's my thing. So we're talking wood era. We're talking costume, right? Yeah. Okay. What era? Tell me your designers. Tell me your oh, era. Gosh, all of them. I mean, I love like, okay. I love like the floral pins of the sixties, like with the big bright colors, the metal flowers. I love lockets. So mm -hmm. I don't know what era that would be but like the vintage lockets and I love taking the lockets and changing out the chains or or um putting them on a ring that I love those 70s I mean the boho kind of like the boho yes yeah. thank you and yeah. 
for a long time too, I was taking that and not only selling it, but then I'd incorporate like these bejeweled brooches into my artwork with old dress patterns. I love dress patterns from the sixties. I think they're so cool. Yeah. So I like all, like all the jewelry. Bakelite. I like Bakelite. Hmm. What do you like? Well, I love it all too. Um, I really like those hard to find old Hobe pieces. Um, William Hobe, the designer with the pastel, he was really big in the 30s. They're very hard to find and very beautiful. Made beautiful dress clips and beautiful bracelets. And look up Hobe, H-O-E. It's H-O-B-E. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I love Victorian. I love Art Deco pieces. I mm-hmm. love the big brooches, like the big spray brooches with yeah. flowers. The, yeah. The really early safari with the enameling and the, I, I just love it. And even yeah. though I would not wear it, I'm really kind of taken by some of the big uh, flashy stuff from the 1980s. Those big clip-on, the dynasty style, you yeah, know, yeah. I love seeing it. I don't wear it, but I like to look at it because it's such a great statement, you know? It's so Jewelry. fun. I also like, um, I like the big bracelets, the big chunky bracelets that have like, you know, big colorful stones, greens or dark red or d- yes. blue or teal. So all of my jewelry is in, you know, candy, vintage candy dishes or mm. like a tray, like a silver tray that you put can- like cookies on. I have that layered with pins and necklaces and brooches and I, you know, so I have a lot. <laughs> oh, I love it. I wish we could see each other's collection. I know. <laughs> oh, the other thing too I love is the old Czech jewelry, the really beautiful Czech beaded pieces yeah. from the 30s. Some of the most beautiful glass and beadwork was made in the Czech Republic back then. And I just love oh, it. I- my grandma gave me some of that. I, ha- I have it stored away in my jewelry box and it is absolutely beautiful. It's the one I have is red, the red beads. Oh, anyway. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe um, things are being made like that today, but for me, my heart, when it sees the old things, it just, it just, I just love the craftsmanship of the older pieces. I couldn't agree um, more. And I agree with you too. Like it's, there's something about what they had access to jewelry wise. It was so beautiful. It was so feminine. It was so pretty um, and made such a statement. And the full sets, you'd have the earring and the, yes. you know, the necklace, perhaps the bracelet mm-hmm. and the brooch. And yeah. Yeah. The whole nine yards. And then a beautiful little clutch purse to work yes. with the whole nine yards. Or and a the hat. hat. In the uh-huh. hat. Nobody seems yeah. to care about vintage hats these days. I know. I know we found after my grandma passed, we found her entire hat collection that she had saved in the original boxes that is absolutely incredible. I mean, the detail, the just the how every one of them was so different and unique and just lovely. And do, are, are they still in the my, family? Yeah, we, we brought them home with us. So they're with my family in Omaha right now just to keep everything safe. And my sister actually is a photographer. Yeah. Uh, professional photographer. So we have those there so that, you know, she can capture images of those at some point. So we can. Well, and the boxes themselves were amazing. Oh, yeah. I know with the labels and the and the ribbons and. And the tissue and everything that went in it was just something. Oh, I wish I could be with you in person and I know collection we and go vintage shopping <laughs> and top jewelry. Oh, 
I guess we've kind of gotten off track. So, so what do what do you have happening right now in life? What are what are your projects right now? And anything happening in the summer? Any travel plans? So we always travel plans. We always go back to the Midwest to my husband's family's cottage in um, northern Wisconsin, Green Lake, Wisconsin, and that's where our kids have grown up. And they also own a farm there. And so it's just, it's, it's a great summertime for us is the time we can actually leave and travel because the restaurant slows down. It's really hot here in the summer. So you're talking 110, 115 degree average days. And so that's when we are able to kind of get away, take a break and spend some really nice family time together. So it's always a time of the year I really, really look forward to. And so do our kids. I've got some fun projects coming up for design with uh, a retirement community, like a high-end retirement community that, and that's fun to go visit because you meet all these seniors who have such cool histories and their insight on what they want to see around them is really fun to hear. So I'm working on that. What are some Um, of the things they, what are some of the suggestions they have for you? So right now, Um, It currently has a lot of orange and browns and they're just really like, we do not want that. That reminds us of the seventies. Yes. We need to freshen this place up. So what we're, uh, what our goal is and what they would like is to have more of outside come inside. And so bringing in the blues and the greens and more of the cacti and the flowers and bringing the outside in so that it just all feels cohesive and fresh. So that that's kind of the resounding feedback I've been getting from the residents is that. So we're working on bringing in imagery like out like really pretty pictures of flowering cacti and the mountains and things like that into the living areas and that's kind of the, the plan, just freshening it up with that. And I find that being like an overall, a little bit of a huge design trend in general. So um, I've done some TV segments recently where I have to talk about like what's trending in our world right now, design wise. And that after having gone through the pandemic is bringing in the outside in because, yes. you know, we want our spaces to feel more organic and light and bright and fresh. Tell me about your TV appearances. Is this a regular, are you a regular uh, guest on a local TV show? I have been, and it started. And again, this is back to like Kaylin's place morphing into different directions. So it all started actually, I want to say seven or eight years ago. Um, One of the moms whose daughters took my art classes was a TV host for a local TV station. And she said to me, Kaylin, you have got to come on this show because what you do in the studio is something moms can do with their kids or parents can do with their kids at home. And you could teach it in a way that it's more like a DIY art project in the home. And you can talk about all this. And at first I was like, that's a, that just sounds really a little scary, right? To go on TV and to do all this. And then I thought to myself, no, I'm going to give this a try because it is a great way for parents and families to engage with their kids. And so for a long time, I was doing these, these TV segments where it would be like, for example, um, springtime, like we just had Easter. So it would be like, they'd have me come on and do like a fresh Easter project, you know, that you can do at home. And so I would bring, you know, I'd pick out a specific topic, bring all the materials and then demonstrate how to do that. And a lot of times 
along the way, I would ask my students to be guests with me, which was really fun. So if there wasn't school or it was summer break, they would come on along too. And that was really fun. So for years I did that. And then one day I said to the producer, you know, I do design too, right? And she goes, you do? I go, yeah, I do interior design as well. So if you guys ever need someone to talk about like the latest design trends or, you know, ways to spruce it up your backyard or whatever, you know, give me a, give me a call. And so then that about a month or two after that started this whole Kaylin's place doing design DIY projects, how to do this on a budget. You know, a lot of my angles are like, how can you in your home do these kinds of things where people feel so overwhelmed and maybe like, I can't afford this, or I can't, I couldn't possibly do this myself. Um, really, it's more like, you can do this and we're going to show you how. Um, and so I, she started bringing me in to do those. And I've just continued doing that. I mean, I, and, and then I have had some design clients who actually are TV hosts for um, national syndicated um, uh, uh, programs. And so I just have been, I've been working on that as well, doing projects. And they're all in the design world of like ways you can, you know, update your space on a budget or clever ways to do this. And it's, it's so it's fun. It's a lot of work, but I really enjoy it. And I'm guessing sometimes when you are, you're in town, people recognize you from TV. That's so funny. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it does happen occasionally. Yes. Yes. Which is fun. <laughs> okay. So um, I know you talked about bringing the outside in. Can you tell me another design trend that's really hot right now? And one maybe you are happy that might be going out of style? So one, one design trend I'm really happy about right now is um, like bringing in warm, like warm, um, bringing in like warm woods, artisanal tiles that feel handmade. Obviously that's the artist in me, right? Like bringing in these textures that bring in like earthy, organic um, feelings and staying still with the light and bright, but um, even, even textiles that are fuzzy and warm or colorful or block prints that are handmade. So a lot of that's happening. Um, I'm, I'm not sad to lose yeah. the color gray, but again, back to my being a designer, if I'm working for a client who has gray in their home, I'm gonna make that work, right? And we're gonna make it amazing. But as a trend, I'm happy to see more color, more warm, more blush and terracotta and greens coming in that really kind of give you more creative flex, I think. And I don't know, just being organic. So I feel like you have all this wisdom and you've, you, your journey has been so interesting. And my question for you is, um, what advice would you give to someone who came to you like kind of at a crossroads in their own creative life and looking for a new direction or a new creative outlet? Would you have any words of wisdom for them? You know, I, I mean, yes, I, well, one of the things I would do in, in the way of words of wisdom would be to find out from them first, okay, so what excites you? what are things that you want to bring into your life creatively or whatever that is professionally relationship wise? Like, what is that? What does that look like for you? And then let's talk about that. And then let's make a list of the things you wish you could do one day. And let's, you know, it's asking questions and then 
giving insight, like to me always is, and I always go back to this, is that universal piece. Like I feel like when we tell the universe that we're ready for something new, and if we're listening, the universe will, will send out a signal. I really believe that. Um, and in my life process of everything I've ever done, it was like, I just feel like it'll just interject a little hint here and there. And, and if you're open and if you look for it and you see it, grasp it and see what it looks like. And so that, that would be what I would, my words of wisdom is listen and put it out there and don't be afraid to try. Open up your eyes and make sure you catch the sign when it comes to you, you know? That's exactly it because I think it's eyes wide open looking for it. And, and if you're, and then again, though, not always does, I mean, I believe it always happens, but if you're feeling like, okay, but I'm ready to jump in and start Another thing I think is reaching out to the people who you, who can help guide you, look for connections, connect to people who you know, and maybe these industries you're interested in getting into, seek advice, talk, like I'm big into like, let's just talk it out, you know, so find people who you can talk to and connect to who, who might be a liaison, it doesn't mean they may have the exact answer, but they might be a liaison to someone saying, oh, yeah, you know what? I've got a friend who actually does that. So let me connect you too. I mean, this world is a very small place in my opinion. And connections are so 100% key, I think, in, in, in doing anything we do. And, and then also finding new things that might be out there for us. Thank you. I think the only thing that I would add here is how important it is to maintain good relationships with everybody around you and have integrity about not only your business and your trade, but integrity in the people that work with you and for you. You know, having a, having a respect for anyone you're connected to in any kind of business you are because, well, because I like creating relationships and I like staying connected to people. But I also feel like you never know what this could lead to. So you meet this, this person who's a textile designer. Maybe at some point they want to collaborate with you and talk to you about ways you can work together. Um, you just never know what, what's going to come from something. So I think for me, you know, I've got all these um, long-term relationships with people. And I think about that. And a lot of those relationships started in a place um, either professionally or as a friend or family and have led to business contacts or people who I've had to reach out to. It's just interconnectivity, I think, is a big piece in everything we do. Absolutely. And I also feel like in my life, so often it's never the person who I was thinking. It wasn't yes. the person I went to. It's somebody who had me on their radar yes. who I hadn't even let know that I was looking for something. And it's... Yeah. It's a great, yeah. Um, you just, you, you, one person can lead to the, another person and that person could get you to where you need to be. And you just don't know it until you start asking and putting yourself out there and also maintaining those connections in a healthy way. When it sounds like you have a lot of in-person connections versus I know a lot of our artists during the pandemic, they, they became part of really big online community through social media, but it sounds yeah. like you still very much maintain your 
your in-person connections. Yeah. You know, I, for both, for both of the main businesses that I had, obviously the art classes, I could not maintain because they just couldn't during that time. But the, so at being a designer, my trades, they couldn't afford not to work. They had to keep working. And some of these projects that I had, you know, it was like, we're in, we're, we're in forward movement. So we were as safe as we could be, obviously, um, but it couldn't shut itself down. And for me, that was really like, for me personally, it was very healthy because I, I think it would have been really hard not to, I mean, go to do the online thing. I think so many people, I have so much respect for the people who've grown their businesses that way, because it just, you had to pivot again, back to pivot and really, you know, figure it out. Um, also for my husband and I owning a restaurant during that time yeah. was like, you know, we, we had to stay connected. We had to stay open. We had to keep pushing forward and, and recreate ourselves in certain ways just to stay alive. So yeah, I, I did not, I, we were out there. Yeah. Well, we always like to pose this question at the end of our podcasts. Um, and that is, if you were to host a dinner party with five guests, creative guests, living or dead, who would they be? So, okay. So I've been thinking a lot about that question. And by the way, to our listeners, we give people a heads up that we might be asking yeah. this question. So they have time to think about it. <laughs> and I, and I, you know, there, I, I came up with, I came up with some people who I would love to sit down and meet and talk with and be at a dinner party with. So I, I will say one would be Claude Monet. I mean, growing up as a painter, those were if I was going to take the paintings and, and try to not emulate them or copy them, but use them as inspiration, just his, his paintings. And he was such an interesting artist. I would love to have him at my dinner party. There is a chef in his name is Sean Brock and my husband and I, and I, my husband, and I both love him. And I find chefs are as artistic as an artist. I mean, like they are artistic in and of themselves as well. And he, he is just this, he's inspiring because he's gone and he's trying to honor and recreate recipes from the deep South that were taken away or hidden or just overlooked because at that time, you know, um, he's trying to bring integrity and history back to cooking. And we just, I really admire what he's done. I want to meet him. There's a lot of designers I would like to meet out there because of the way they design. I mean, there's Janie Molster, there's um, Emily Henderson, um, Molly Mahon is a block print artist, a textile artist who like in, in my next life or maybe in, at some point, I'm gonna learn and teach myself how to design textiles because that is like something just I'd love to do. And she, I love watching her paint her her fabrics because it's just such a beautiful art but at the end of the but like really when I think about it I would be happy to sit at a dinner party with any females who are artists or entrepreneurs I find so much strength and interest in just sitting and talking to people who have followed paths creatively and learned how to turn them into into businesses because I feel like as females particularly and also as artists sometimes you feel alone and so 
I don't know. I don't think that answers your question quite as specifically yes. as you might want it to be. But I mean, I'd, I'd love just to go to a dinner party with a lot of really badass artists. <laughs> I agree with you. Good conversation. Absolutely. And just share ideas because I feel like, you know, sometimes we we kind of walk our own paths and we're, you know, that's one thing I tell people as an artist or designer is our industries, unless you're reaching out to meet people and finding them, it can be a little lonely at times. So um, a great dinner party with like some awesome artists I would gladly go to. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, it has been wonderful talking with you today. Uh, it's been wonderful. I mean, too. Um, you know, your story came out earlier this year where women create spring issue. In fact, it's probably still on the newsstands. Um, mm -hmm. But I really appreciated reading your story and now talking to you more in depth about your life. You've been an inspiration to me. And I Thank can't you. wait to hear about your next venture because I know <laughs> there will be one or more. So. Thank you. Thank you so much Thank for you. having me. I have to tell you, you know, for years I have collected this magazine and it has, my husband knows it, the, all the pages over all the years are dog-eared and I go back to them to find inspiration on things I could do differently in my studio or differently in my artwork. And I always refer back to my collection of where women create. And so to be a part of this was like such a huge thing for me and such an honor. So thank you so much. Thank you. Great to get to know you better. You too. And please stay in touch. I will. Thank you again for joining us today for a World of Women Create podcast. In a world filled with endless stories, it is our mission to share the memorable personal journeys and lessons learned of the extraordinary women in our community. Their stories are stories that enlighten us, inform us, and ignite the creativity that lives in each of us. Women Create is grateful that you are part of our creative world.